I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Playoff Preview Podcast. It's round four of AFLW this weekend. I'm Julia Montesano and this is Jen Bastiani. Hello. How's it going? Great. I'm feeling so awesome this podcast. We're going to do things a bit differently in this podcast. Jen's put the question out to all of you on her Twitter handle, which is at G Bastiani, if I'm not mistaken. GL Bastiani, if I'm not mistaken. Can't forget the L. Um, And we've had a lot of correspondents, a lot of people wanted to hear from the stats master, the whack-a-mole person, (laughs) the elite... Elite footy brain that is Jim. And don't worry, we're going to be answering all of your questions. But the thing is, you've got to listen for the whole podcast. So stay for the preview. Listen to the preview, stay for the questions. You know, that kind of thing. That's, fair. That's how it's going to go down. Yeah, <laughs> let's go for it. This could let's get do it. This could get a bit wild. I've just sculled a big coffee. So let's see what happens. Oh, I can't wait. We absolutely love wild podcasts. <laughs> if, we weren't, if the podcast weren't wild, what would we do, be doing with our lives? Nothing. Accurate. So... <laughs> Before we get too wild, let's actually get some previews in before we start talking absolute crap. So um, <laughs> the first night of the – the first match of the round is the Saints taking on the Cats. That's at Friday at 7.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at RSCA Park. It's going to be the first game in Victoria with crowds since the coronavirus restriction. Are there I'm crowds? Hoping. Has that been <laughs> confirmed? We don't know yet. Oh, yeah. Good point. Well, hopefully by the time you're listening, this has been confirmed, people. But yeah. yeah, you can just let us know and tell us off if it isn't. But fingers crossed it's going to be crowds. I'm excited to see people. I'm sure people are excited to see other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, the tennis is getting crowds, so I'm sure the footy can get crowds too. Just anyway, wear, just wear that's a different talking point. Yeah, exactly. So I think, obviously, off the field we want crowds. But on the field, <laughs> there's a couple of things we do want to see. And that is St Kilda's attack, Jim. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, so we, this has been something that I've talked about quite a bit this year, but I think it's a really relevant part of the Saints game and kind of anticipating which way they're going to play. When they lean heavily on their attacking game, it really is through that run and carry that occurs both on the wings and through the corridor. And, you know, it's players like Patrikios and Tiana Smith, who, Tiana Smith, sorry, who kind of have that almost... Um, choreographed agility through the contest, which seems to slow time down. This is exactly the kind of thing that I think Geelong have struggled to shut down. So then you've got to think about, okay, if that's what they're doing through the middle of the field, if they do turn on that attacking game, do you think Geelong's defence can shut down both Caitlin Greiser and Kate Sheilor when they're in the marking kind of form that they're in? Probably not both of them. So the Saints would want to do well to force an aerial game out of that attacking run through the middle of the ground and then force that aerial ball inside 50. And I think that is going to be really crucial to the Saints um, kind of ability to win this game. Yeah, totally. And I noticed a bit last week against Carlton that Greiser often had two or three players to contend with as well. And that kind of worked in Carlton's favour, obviously, to get the win. So be interesting to see what the Cats do to, to try and curb her influence and also Kate Sheila's influence, as you mentioned as well. But 
in the midfield, they're a bit younger, they're a bit less experienced, but they've still got some gun players. And that's what that um, applies to both sides as well. What can you tell us about, um, I suppose, the midfield dynamic of this game? Yeah, so we often talk about young midfielders or, or really incredible midfielders, and we talk about Madison Prasparkis. We I don't know why I called it Madison, Maddie Prasparkis, um, Elise, <laughs> Elise Parker, players like that who are young, but they're kind of those big bullish midfielders that um, have the strength and the, kind of that grunt. The thing about these midfields is that Georgia Petrakios and Tiana Smith, who I already mentioned for the Saints, and then Olivia Purcell and Amy McDonald for Geelong, they're more of those agile, nimble um, kind of evasive midfielders. So it's quite a different dynamic of these young stars. And then they do have the grunt around them. So you've got Rosie Dillon, who's, I think, uh, equal or second, averaging the second most tackles this year behind Kiara Bowers. That could be wrong. I think that's right. Um, and then uh, for Geelong, you know, Cranston can go in there and be that powerful player or there's um, Crockett Grills, players like that. But the young stars are actually a really different kind of midfielder than we typically talk about. So I expect to see a couple of them get off the leash a little bit against one another because they will, not that they're not two-way running players, but they will like to get that space, um, which is a little bit different to what we see a lot of the other time. Yeah, totally. I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether the players can kind of get off the leash a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, totally. Um, what's your tips for this one? Do you reckon the Saints will get up again? Yeah, I think it's the Saints' chance. They, they've had two really good halves of footy in the past two weeks. Um, and then round one, obviously, was a, an incredible game from them. An incredible game all round. Mm-hmm. I think this is the Saints' chance to get back onto that first round style. So I'm tipping them by 20 points, unfortunately, for Geelong fans. What about you? Ooh, 20, nice. I'm going to go the Saints, but by 14, just because I like to have my odd numbers, like <laughs> I said last week. Um, yeah, I just reckon they'll be too strong for the Cats, but I'm happy to see them put up a bit of a fight. Yeah. Um, I think they deserve a few a few wins, considering how hard they are working. It's just not clicking at the moment for them. So we'll see how they go at Moorabbin on Friday night. Hopefully we will get some, some spectators there to watch on, but... Um, the game would, I suppose, the AFL would definitely want spectators and, and the Hosking sisters would want spectators <laughs> is Carlton-Richmond because it's the first time Sarah and Jess are playing against each other in the AFLW after Sarah's been at Carlton for all these years. Um, it's Saturday. It's 3.10 and it's Icon Park. I think it's going to be really hot on Saturday as well. It's going to be 35 or some ridiculous oh, temperature awful. like that. So, yeah, it's going to be... Um, a fascinating matchup for that reason, but also for some other reasons, Jim. What can, what can you tell us about that? First of all, we should give a shout out to Jess who did the Making the Call program with us late last totally. year. Totally. What's going on, Jess? Absolute legend. <laughs> she tuned into one of the sessions from her pool. So, um, you know, living the life. Um, this one, so I on, think... Speaking of the pool, she just chucked Sarah's Train. whole Richmond training gear into the pool. Yeah. And then Sarah responded by freezing Jess's accreditation and then, I can't remember which sister did what, but someone put deep heat on the toilet paper. That is, like, next level. Imagine wiping your bum with some really hot deep heat. Like, you wouldn't recover. I've had deep heat on my legs and I can't recover. Imagine it being on your bum. Like, Jesus. I'm, That's next level. That's brutal. I'm glad I live Hope alone. Hope it won't happen on the field, but... <laughs> oh, they're going to... What will happen on the field? They're, they're going to go hard. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. I, I expect some free kicks to happen in that matchup as well to be honest. Um, This is a really interesting one because Carlton finally got their midfield kind of up and running last week, kind of mostly off the back of Prasparkas' form. But then Richmond really played close to their best footy we've seen, probably on par with the game against Geelong last year where they scored their highest score. Um, I think this is a chance for Richmond to prove that they've genuinely made steps forward and it's not been luck or, uh, you know, one, one-offs. So they were up against a really hard midfield in terms of uh, Collingwood's midfield, you know, Davey, Lambert, Benici, all those sorts of players. And then you think about the week before, they played against Melbourne, which is Hanks and Paxman and stuff like that. So they've they've matched it almost with really good midfields. This is their chance to prove that that's not fading away because Carlton's midfield is finally up and running. 
it it's going to be interesting to see if they can do that, but also start to clean up that inside 50 area. Richmond, I'm talking about. Yeah. Because that was their one weakness last week, I suppose. Oh. Like they were just smashing Collingwood all over the ground. But once they got inside 50, they just they panicked. Well, they panicked delivering inside 50, which caused more panic inside 50, which was just so frustrating because... Uh, I mean, it's easy to watch it and be like, just kick better inside 50. But it's just like, that they're seeing, and I've written this a thousand times, I've written the word composure more times than I can count this week. But they're, they're seeing your players lack so much composure using the ball going forward that it was just so frustrating to watch. But then you saw a player like Matty Branco-Dasano deliver beautifully inside 50 late in the in the game. And it's just like, if your young players can do that, your senior players should be able to do that too. And it just wasn't happening. Whereas... I'd like to see that fixed this week, but with the other improvements already. So it feels like a big ask, but this is their chance to show it. Because Carlton, yeah, they won last week, but were they really impressive? Probably not, right? Mm. Yeah, I kind of agree. It was just like a just a win to kind of like, you know, break the shackles off. Yeah. It's just like ticking a box, really. That's kind of what it felt like. And as a Carlton supporter as well, I wasn't... I wasn't jumping up and down and celebrating. I was just saying, oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was more just like, just a sigh of relief. Yeah. Not anything too impressive. but Not like um, um, Melbourne impre- winning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> Melbourne winning. Well, we'll talk about that later, Jim. Okay. Um, we're on to Carlton Richmond at the moment, Jim. And it's, <laughs> and it's a battle of, I suppose, the tools in this game. There's a couple of big players for each team that – look like they're going to shine and break through. Who, who are these players and how much of an impact are they going to have on the, on the game? I'm so excited about the tall battle because this is the area that the game can be won or lost for both teams. So we'll, we'll expect to see Harriet Cordner line up on Taylor Harris. And I think with the form each of them are in, I think Harriet Cordner could minimise the impact of Taylor Harris, which is massive, especially considering, again, the issues Carlton have had in terms of their efficiency once they're inside 50. Um, The other thing is the ruck battle. So Brianne Moody and Alison Downey are coming up against kind of a makeshift ruck duo in terms of Gabby Seymour. And and this is assuming based on teams that haven't been announced yet, but um, a makeshift ruck duo of Gabby Seymour and Sabrina Frederick. So Brianne Moody has been averaging nearly 16 hitouts a game and nearly 12 touches, and she kind of leads the pack in terms of that sort of stuff. Downey's been averaging nearly 10 hitouts and six touches, so that's a pretty good combo, especially when you know Downey or Moody can both go to either end of the ground while the other is in the ruck, and that's a really good flexible thing that they've got. Seymour is averaging 13 hitouts and 12 touches a game, which is solid for her, but then Frederick is kind of quite a far way behind that, um, only the five hitouts. So I wonder if this is the game that we finally see Bree Moody have the performance that we've a lot of people have been anticipating from her this year off the back of her practice match form. And, you know, with no... And, and again, this is assuming based on teams that haven't been announced yet, but Richmond haven't been playing their genuine ruck in Alice Edmonds. They've been going with Gabby Seymour and Sabrina Frederick and then playing each of them in the forward line as well. I think the duo of Moody and Downey is stronger and I think that's going to be massive in this game. Sorry, that was a really long way of saying a really basic thing. <laughs> that's fine. I was so interested, especially as a Carlton enough. I absolutely loved it. I think <laughs> Moody's incredibly underrated for me, and I think Downey is the perfect combat. Like Downey and Moody are the perfect combination. Um, especially I was watching the Saints game, and it was just their work rate was incredible. Yeah. You know? Like if it wasn't one, it was the other. They were just working in tandem. It was great. Um, I have one more question for you, Jim. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw in a question from one of our listeners and one of the people that reached out to you on Twitter and that's Georgia Cook. Shout out to Georgia. I love Georgia. Um, she's she's asked, what do Richmond need to do in order to win a game? Lol. I thought I'd add the lol for added effect and, and that's what she has <laughs> said. So, you know, just to make sure we get the accurate question, I had to add the lol on the end. So what do Richmond need to do in order to win a game, lol? Um, so Georgia's amazing. Everyone be nice to Georgia. She's a publicist for a record label and she's very good at her job. Um, Richmond, I mean, I probably answer. It would be nice if she gives us some vinyl, snap joking. <laughs> she has given me some, so 
Just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Julia now has a jealous face. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of said a lot of this in the review, so sorry if I repeat myself, but that the way they played in two-thirds of the ground last week was, you know, close to a winning formula. It was pushing teams and pushing a team that's in good form. It's the composure going forward that changes everything. So it, it wasn't just that they kicked, I think, 4-7 for the game, so that the accuracy in terms of scoring wasn't there. But then you add on the way they were going forward. They wasted so many opportunities before they even had a chance to have a scoring shot. So it, it's just that breakdown, that last little step that seems to be the issue now. And even against Melbourne, we talked a lot about them not taking advantage of their aerial players. And we talked about their aerial players for the Saints. You know, Richmond, they've got contested marking players that they're not using for contested marking. And it seems so strange that they're trying to play a game style doesn't make the most of their most damaging players. So I'd love to see those couple of changes made. You know, keep Drennan at home in the forward line. Try Maybe play Alice Edmonds so Sabrina Frederick can stay at home in the forward line. And trust your new midfield that they can do the job delivering forward. Because not to single out a player, but a lot of those poor forward 50 entries last week or a lot of the turnovers late in the game came from Katie Brennan. And I'd prefer to see her having the time and space to go back and take a set shot in the forward line rather than desperately kicking inside 50 to an out number. So I think that's where Richmond can tweak to get their first win because it's not far away. It's definitely not far away. Yeah, totally. Do you reckon the win could come as close as this weekend against Carlton? Uh, I'm not tipping Richmond in this one. I'm tipping Carlton by 15 points. Um, I don't know. Uh, Richmond haven't shown enough for me to tip them yet, but I know that they're close to it. Yeah, like I'm kind of close to tipping them in this game, to be honest, but um, I know Carlton and Icon Park, it's a big game for the Blues. It's a Carlton Respects game. They always tend to show up for those games, which is totally awesome. So, um, yeah, I reckon the Blues in this one, I'm going to say 21 points. Ooh, bigger margin. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Chuck a few extra points on them. See how they go. See if they can live up to my high standards as a supporter. Well, it's, it's one goal. <laughs> it's one goal more than my my margin. So let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty close. Okay. We're pretty close in our tipping. We've got to be more audacious. We're, we've oh, got to be more audacious, more risk taking. I have some. I have one big margin in this one, and then lots of small ones. So great. Well, let's see if your big margin's in this game. It's Fremantle against Gold Coast. It's Saturday. Two time zones, people. Two ten. Australian Western Standard Time or 510 if you're over in Happy Victoria and it's Australian Easter Daylight Savings Time. Fremantle Oval, the place to be for the Dockers. They absolutely blitz it at home. Um, but you've written in your notes here that it doesn't get any easier for the Suns. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I mean, the Suns have had a bit of a hard time, but let's be honest, they've had three scoring shots in the past, or I want to say... Uh, Sorry, five scoring shots in the past two weeks. They've kicked one goal in the past two weeks. Now, yeah. bear with me on this, right? So it seems like a long bow I'm drawing, but I'll <laughs> get there and I'll try to do it quickly. So heading into round three, Adelaide was the highest scoring team across the first two rounds. They'd kicked 118 points in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. In round three against Fremantle, they kicked just 13 points. So... For Gold Coast, who are already struggling to score, coming up against a brick wall that is Fremantle, who can stop even the highest scoring teams from scoring more than a couple of goals, that feels like mission impossible for them. And I wouldn't, and I hate saying this, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns had another goalless game in this one. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because then we consider back to uh, the semi-final, prelim final, whatever they were called last year, where Frio and Gold Coast played off, Fremantle kicked their highest score ever. And I think it was the second highest score in AFLW history. Second, it's got it's up there. So, you know, they've got a history of scoring heavily against the Suns. And that was when the Suns were arguably a slightly more damaging team than they are right now. It looms as a percentage booster. And I, I know that's awful to say. 
Yeah, but I think we've got to be honest with ourselves as well. Like, we can't just... And I think we kind of touched on this in previous podcasts, you know, like, we don't want to name names or be critical, but I think it's at the point where, you know, I think players want to be called out and teams want to be called out for, you know, poor form and unfortunately that's where the suns are at and they've been wanting to fix that but yeah gems gems just put some useful strategies out for you guys if you just you know if you want to just listen in and (laughs) and listen to her advice (laughs) you're more than welcome to it's free advice why not take it and run (laughs) um but on the other side we obviously just spoke about the struggling suns but frio are flying and i love my alliteration in that sentence just then so claps to me (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so um, I very excitedly last week tweeted about um, Fremantle being on the longest winning streak in AFLW history and that the fact that the second longest streak belonged to Adelaide and North Melbourne. Um, and Adelaide was the team Freer were coming up against. It was either their streak was going to end or they were going to extend it against the team that held that record, um, especially considering that North Melbourne's had ended the night before. Fremantle now are on 10 straight wins since round one 2019 when two really significant things for Frio happened. One was Trent Cooper took over as coach and two mm-hmm. was Kiara Bowers made her debut. Since then, they've lost two games. Only one of them has been a home and away game. That game was against Adelaide and that was the year that Adelaide went on to win the flag really convincingly. This game kind of felt like a reverse of that um, at last weekend. And now we're kind of seeing Fremantle get into that rhythm that we know they can be in. It hasn't felt like they've been in that rhythm at all this year until maybe the second half of the game last weekend. And I think yeah. from there, they're going to take that and run with it. And it's pretty exciting given the fact that they've had the lockdown to deal with. They've had the fires. They've had... The going on the road, not showing when they're coming home issue. They had the really poor weather in that Western Derby. Like they've, uh, I know GWS have been up against a lot. A lot of these teams have, but Frio's right up there in terms of circumstances to deal with. They've stood up to it. They've gotten through the tough part, and now is their chance to kind of put the put the foot down. And I think it's going to be scary. Oh yeah, it's going to be absolutely frightening. <laughs> like I'm scared as a as a opposition supporter watching Freo, but God, you have to admire what they do. It's just insane. And I think last year the hardship was. I think they're carrying on hardship from last year into this year as well. Because if the players had voted differently last year, then Freo could have walked away with the premiership last year. If the players had just thought, let's just end the season now and award the premier, it could have been Freo. They could have had a flag by now. So they'll be really hungry this year to try and make it theirs this year. So we'll see what happens in this game. Do you reckon it's going to be a huge percentage booster or a little percentage booster? Uh, so I'm tipping Freo by 50 points, but I wouldn't, wow. I wouldn't be surprised if the margin was bigger. I wouldn't be surprised if Freo took the mantle of the highest score in AFLW history this weekend, which is Ooh. currently held by the Dogs from 2018. So yes, yes, we remember that Brooke Lachlan, rah rah rah. Yes, it's good being Carlton supporter. Yeah, yeah, good, good. <laughs> I purposely didn't mention Carlton in that. You brought them up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's when you every time you hear Bulldogs highest score, you kind of just get a little bit of shivers. <laughs> I'm glad I go for Melbourne. Um, who are you tipping in this one? <laughs> I am also going to tip Freya, but I'm going to say 35 points. I think the Suns have a lot to fight for. Um, and yeah, I hope they can respond because yeah, it's been a pretty hard year for them. Um, but a team, teams who haven't had a pretty hard year is North Melbourne and Collingwood. They're playing at Marvel Stadium, the first game at first AFLW game at Marvel Stadium this year. Mm-hmm. It's on Saturday night, seven ten. I'm loving seeing Saturday night footy. I think it was great um, last week when the D's went against the Kangas and so did the Roos are going to be hosting um, the Pies again on a Saturday night. So. What's going to happen there? Because you've actually put this, I think you've put this on, say on Twitter as well, that North have never lost two games in a row. That's a crazy stat for a team that's, one, still relatively new, and two, still relatively new. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually twofold, this one. North have never lost, they've lost four games in their history that never two in a row. Collingwood have, are currently on their longest winning streak. They've never won four games in a row, and they've won their last three. Ooh. So this looms... A, and this, I've just thought of something that's not even in the notes that I gave you. Um, A, one of those records have to be broken unless it's a draw. 
But two, <laughs> B. Yeah. Um, B. Uh, this was the great final from last year where Collingwood pushed and pushed and pushed and a desperate Jasmine Garner mark in the last moments of the final quarter saved the game for North Melbourne. That was a brilliant final to watch. Both teams were outstanding. The thing that stands out with these teams to me is around the ground, both of their skill level is very high in terms of executing kicks, hitting, hitting teammates on the chest. Imagine that at Marvel Stadium in perfect conditions. Like This is going to be, I think, a really beautiful game to watch in terms of skill level and also in terms of probably scoring. Cause I, and again, I hate the idea that a, a game can only be good if it's high scoring because I don't think that that's the case, but I think that's what's going to happen in this one because of the conditions. Yeah, let's. I encourage all the haters to watch this game on Saturday night because it will be high scoring. It will be entertaining. And you mentioned as well the final that was really entertaining last year. I think they also played each other in the practice match this year where Collingwood got on top. Mm. And that was really entertaining as well. You know, no one saw that result coming. And it could come again at Marble Stadium because the conditions are perfect for both teams. Who's going to utilize. Or it might not. It could, yeah, it's perfect in terms of like the turf, but. I suppose are they going to open or close the roof because of that 35-degree heat that we're expecting on Saturday? If they close the roof, it's going to be an oven. If they open the roof, it's going to be hot. So interesting conditions. How are you seeing it? Well, if there's crowds, they won't close the roof because of COVID. So, yeah. yeah. There's a lot up in the air. Things coming into play. But I think just in terms of not being wind-affected and stuff like that, it's something that... Mm impact so many AFLW games especially when you consider Fremantle Oval, Casey Fields, (laughs) RSEA Park and um, Witten Oval. All four of those grounds are notoriously windy. I love the idea not only of it being at Marvel but the fact that it's these two teams at Marvel because these two teams do have that skill around the ground. We're going to see I think a lot of fast-paced footy but a lot of really really good footy. So we talked about Saturday night last week the Melbourne North Melbourne game being you know, one of the best games you've ever seen. I think this will match up to that as well. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm certainly going to be staying. I know we can actually go out this week and enjoy ourselves, but I'm going to be staying home and watching this game. Like, it's just going to be awesome. Unless we can <laughs> go to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we can go to it, I'll be there. But if we're at home, I'll stay at home. Whatever, no worries. All good by me. Um, <laughs> it's a close game. Who are you going to be tipping in this one? So I'm tipping North by 15, which seems like a bit big margin. But the reason I tip that is because I think it's going to come down to efficiency forward. Uh, mm. Collingwood have drastically improved their scoring from last year. They Like Ashling Sheridan, players like that have done a really good job of being consistent scorers for them. Chloe Malloy has kicked a goal in each of their last six games, I think. Um, nice. Which is the most in the competition. Um, so there's that, but I think... Colin don't make the most of a lot of their opportunities so they might get more opportunities but they won't kick as straight and for that reason I'm going with North for that margin so I think it's gonna feel a lot closer to watch than what the scoreboard will end up suggesting how about you mm. I'm gonna go the opposite way I'm gonna tip the pies I just have a lot of confidence about them and I reckon they're gonna get up by 10 points mm. I think they're good for but plus they're I suppose they're a bit disappointed by their standards about how they went about it against Richmond last week. And I reckon they've been wanting to bounce back in a big way. And they've proved that they that this is almost like North Melbourne's buddy team in a way. I know they've always kind of got the win over the Pies, but the Pies have always pushed them really, really hard. You're right, so yeah. I reckon this might be the game where the Pies can really prove their premiership contention. So, yeah, see what happens, hey? I'm excited. Yeah. Super excited. Same. Um, but I'm also excited to watch Brisbane and Adelaide. They're going to head off to Hickey Park, and that's at Sunday on Sunday at twelve ten Australian Eastern Standard Time, or one ten Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. So a couple of fun time zones for you there, people. Have fun <laughs> with those. Um, <laughs> you called out Jesse Wardlaw, um, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, just about playing some consistent footy, and we know Dakota Davidson's obviously stepped up and taken that role on herself. Um, is it? Can they do it again, the young Brisbane forwards? Like, they've just been on target this season. It's just been a new a new player every game, whether it was Davidson, it's Warlord. Now it's Taylor Smith as well. There's just so many players that can stand up for him. 
Yeah, so this is more stats for you. So sorry if that's annoying what? to anyone. Um, 17 of Brisbane's... If you don't like stats, you should be listening to this podcast. That's, just that's also true. <laughs> um, 17 of Brisbane's goals this year. I think they've kicked 25 for the year so far. Um, 17 of those have come through players that are 22 years old, younger. And they've been wow. producing the Lions' highest average score in their history so far this season. So their previous high was 33, 34 points, let's say, a game in 2018. Over the- no, I want the decimal points, please. Okay, 33.63 points a game in 2018. Um, their current average over the first three rounds is 57 points. So the, the first thing that people people jump on when I say stuff like this is they haven't played anyone good. The thing to think about is they played good teams last year and they played poor teams last year um, and the past four years. Not once have they ever kicked 40 points or more back-to-back. They've kicked more than 40 points in every game this year and they've kicked their highest score in the past two weeks. So, yes, they may have played teams that you don't think are as good, but it's a market improvement on what they've done in previous years against no matter who they've played. This is, I think, key to this game because now they're coming up against an Adelaide defence that will, you know, push them a little bit more, a bit more mature, a little bit smarter in the way they play. What I want to see is the Brisbane forward line that is mostly players under the age of 22 stand up to that pressure. They might not kick 65 points again, but I want to see them still doing the damage that they've been known to do over the past three weeks because we know that they can do that. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, the last few weeks have been really good for them up forward, but the first half last week was a bit slow. And (laughs) I was actually, I was surprised. I mean, the Eagles, with all their injuries, showed how they can really stop the Lions and kind of showed the rest of the competition how they can do it as well. So do you reckon... um, do you reckon Adelaide would have watched that closely last week and thought this is the way to do it? Yeah, I think the Eagles showed the blueprint of how to beat Brisbane but couldn't do it for long enough. And then when yeah. they did have control, they didn't capitalise on the scoreboard because they kicked one goal five in that first quarter. Adelaide mm. have the personnel to play that style of game, that high-pressure game, to block off that outside run. If you pressure the ball before they can get it into that uncontested space... That stops a lot of Brisbane's gameplay, which is exactly what happened in that first quarter against the Eagles. Adelaide can do that. Adelaide know how to do that. They're a well-drilled team. I know that they lost to Fremantle last week, but they kicked one goal seven. They had as many scoring shots as Frio did. So, you know, feasibly, Adelaide could look at what West Coast did, take it, and don't forget, before Kiara Bowers entered the competition in 2019, Ebony Marinoff was the tackling machine, and she still leads the competition oh, yeah. for tackles. Then Anne Hatchard can do that. Hannah Button had a, is averaging, I think, something like nine tackles a game or something. That could be wrong. She had 13 in round one. So, you know, they have that pressure game. They also have the scoring power that didn't fire last week that I think will fire this week. So I think this game is going to be a really fun one to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, it'll be hard. It's hard to tip for this one as well because they're two really good sides in really good form. Yeah. What way are you going? I'm tipping Brisbane by two um, because I couldn't decide and then I saw that it was in Brisbane and just went with it because I genuinely don't know what's going to happen in this, like in terms of a result. Yeah, I don't I don't know myself either. I guess that's the beauty of footy that you don't know stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to the Lions. Like I like, like you mentioned the home the home influence is going to be a massive one I reckon. They they're just elite at Hickey Park. So um yeah, I reckon Brisbane by 12. 12. Okay, cool. I'm writing that down. Oh, you're holding me to a So I can Fair refer enough. back later. <laughs> All right, well, now here's your time to shine, Jeb. It's the D's. Here we go. Happy days. They're playing the Bulldogs at Winter Noble. That's, at sun- that's on Sunday at 3.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And the key in this one you're saying is that the dogs marking game might be might turn a few heads. Yeah, so worth mentioning as well that this is the Hampson-Hardeman Cup. Um, a, yes, a, great shout. An homage to the exhibition games. And also just another mention that this should be the season opener and I'm not going to go any further into that conversation right now. So the dogs marking game. 
the the key to the dogs forward line and their attacking game this year has been their marking and that's been led by Izzy Huntington who's averaging I think four contested marks a game which is absurd yeah. like that is I know ridiculous um, I think the next best is like two and a half or something yeah I should have really looked at that before um we jumped on but you know you deal it's, it's okay. been a long day um I think it'll be really important for Melbourne to limit that in two ways. So one is being accountable to their one-on-one opponent in defence, um, which is difficult given, again, we don't know if Meg Downey will be back for this game. If she, her return yeah. would massively bolster Melbourne. But, you know, Sarah Lampard returned from an ACL last week and we know Daisy has proven to be strong in those contests and Sinead Goldrick has done the same. So that's one way for, that Melbourne need to do it and be really accountable. But then the other thing is they need to really pressure any forward 50 entries so that they don't give advantage to dogs forwards. So they have to do it in two ways because that's the only way to beat this marking game from the dogs is to stop it at both ends of the disposal. So Melbourne have to be very, very aware for this game and limit that those marks. If they can limit the marks, you really do stop the dogs game style yeah that's gonna be massive i think the dogs like easy hydrogen alone is is gonna create all the marks for them in one game so it's gonna be huge and i guess an area where they're gonna want to stop the bulldogs getting marks is the uncontested ball and that's something that melbourne did really well last week how are they gonna be able to back it up again at witten oval yeah so melbourne uh dominated the uncontested ball so the outside space um and just the the tempo of the play last week against North Melbourne, that's really what got them the win. And, and, you know, not only... I know they only won by nine points in the end, but they actually had four more scoring shots than um, North Melbourne did, which is actually quite significant given how high-scoring North Melbourne are generally, Um, considering they kicked 11 goals, five in the first um, round as well. So Mm. Melbourne... It's about controlling that ball on the outside. And you you just have a think about the sorts of players they've got. So I know we think of Karen Paxman as an inside player, all that sort of stuff. But with Maddie Gay back in the side and the way Tyler Hanks is playing, Karen Paxman's endurance can actually be really beneficial, especially complemented by Eliza McNamara on the other wing. They can get on the outside and do a lot of running and win a lot of ball and get themselves into really good positions to provide options for their teammates. And... I think that has been part of Melbourne's, you know, improved form this year is that they can do more of the outside stuff because they have the inside stuff under control. Um, that, I think, again, goes into limiting the dog's marking game because if Melbourne has control of the uncontested possession, the dogs don't have the ball to then try and get their own marking game going. So that's really important. I think, again, this game, Melbourne have to keep that standard really high. Yeah, I think they will. Um, do you think they will as well? I am very timidly tipping Melbourne by five points. Ooh, you guys, if you guys could see the smile on Ben's face right now, like the absolute cheekiness of it is elite. I, so. I mean, I did wear, Runner and I did wear She's Melbourne She's like a Keith Candy, like just giggling, like, oh, uh, Melbourne. Ooh. I mean, Jackie Perry kicked three goals last week. What more could I ask for? Oh, yes, of course. Well, I'm also going to tip the days as well, Jim. So keep that cheeky smile going. I'm going to tip them by... <laughs> I'm going to tip about 15 points. I just reckon they've got the legs and, and the, I suppose, the strength to get over the dogs. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. Even though it's at Noble, I just reckon the Ds are looking absolutely amazing this year. Don't jinx them. <laughs> Source. Well, I'll try not to jinx the next two teams. This is the last match of the round, and it's the Giants against the Eagles. And that's on Sunday at 5.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, and it's at Blacktown International Sports Park where there's been lots of rain, as per usual. There's always going to be something happening at Blacktown, like we said in the podcast last week. Um, But it could be an opportunity here for the Eagles to break through. I mean, they showed some really good signs against Brisbane last week. Um, Do you think they're going to be able to play four quarters of footy this week and and really run the Giants over the line? I think this is their best chance at it. Um, I I know their road has been hard because... Yeah, they were in Brisbane, they've gone home, and now they're coming back to to Sydney. That's not easy to do, um, especially with the number of injuries they have. But I think this is a really good opportunity to, for them, even if it's not four quarters, if it's two and a half instead of two. You know, like, that's the improvement 
that we want to see in the Eagles at this stage. If they can play against Brisbane the way they did in that first quarter, if they can do that for two and a half quarters against the Giants, they're actually in with a chance for this one because we know the Giants don't score very heavily. Um, You know, they had six scoring shots in the first quarter, which is more than um, the Giants have had in two of their games this year. So there's opportunity there. They just need to take it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think what you've kind of been harping on about in these past podcasts Sorry. is the Giants forward line. How are we going to fix it, Jen? What do we do? Look, it's continued to be kind of a problem for them hasn't it like they've got um you know Cora Stoughton and Rebecca Beeson up there they kicked two six last week they're still relying heavily on midfielders coming forward and kicking goals for them their mm. leading goal kicker right now this year is Taylor Davis Davies who played I want to say one or two games last year she's played two yeah. games this year and kicked a goal in each that's she's wow. their leading goal kicker this year we need more from Privatelli and Staunton. That's what we need. And yeah. that's the improvement that we need to see from the Giants this week is the forward line doing the work and not re- relying on the midfielders to come forward to kick those goals. I also think equally, like I remember watching last week's game where they just kind of bombed it long and hoped Privatelli would mark it. And, you know, when she did it, to her credit, when she did it, she always like smash the ball to the ground and made sure there was a contest at ground level. But it was just the smalls that were getting to the ball quick enough as well. So I reckon there's probably a call out for the smalls as well to maybe lift their game, I suppose, and, and see what they can do to help Privatelia. Because Privatelia had almost like three players on her every time yeah. in the market contest last week. So yeah. she's under a lot of pressure, but she's doing really well. So let's hope the other forwards can match it as well. Absolutely. Um Tippy, what do you reckon? Is it is it time for the Eagles to get a win? Uh, I'm tipping the Giants by one point. I think wow. it, I think it'll be low scoring. I think it'll resemble. I don't know what the weather's like, but I think it'll resemble round one last year. Um, GWS v Gold Coast. It's going to be just that constant oh, arm wrestle. That. <laughs> um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, um, but we know that. The Eagles, the way they get on top in games is that high-pressure game. So I mm. I expect to see a bit of that this week because it worked for them. They just need to, again, do it for longer. What about you? Well, I just checked the forecast for Sunday <laughs> in Sydney and it is 24 and thunderstorm. So it's going to yep. be yep. pretty humid <laughs> and miserable. And I just reckon those conditions will probably tip the Giants over the line, considering pretty much every home game is played in miserable conditions for them. So uh, five points for me. I think it's. I think in probably better conditions they could have won by more, but I think the the thunderstorms will probably get them, and we might even see a game called the game pause during the game. You know, like what we've like seen what last happened time. last time against North Melbourne. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. I vividly remember watching that game. Um, oh, so do I. <laughs> I was watching it on an oh, iPad oh. while selling merch at a gig. So there you go. <laughs> well, look how times have changed. Now, it is the end of the podcast, but we have got a few extra questions that we've got to get to from 
our lovely fans on Twitter. I'm going to call them fans, fans because it feels cool to say fans. <laughs> Even though they're just our mates, they just want to give us crap. But um, the first mate that's giving us a bit of crap is Alison Smirnoff, oh, the siren genius and um, Jem's bestie, I'd say. Um, and she's asked if it's true, Jem, that Alison Smirnoff is your inspiration. Now you're going to have to elaborate on this. Uh, this is very firmly tongue in cheek a question, I believe. Uh, Alison doesn't sound like it. There's no emojis here, so I reckon she's being dead on serious. This is this is Alison having a go at me because I asked her a stupid question on her podcast. So I left this in so I could give that a shout out. Actually, so um, Alison Smirnoff is a co-host um, of This AFL Life. If you haven't already started listening to that, I highly recommend it. It's it's a joy to listen to. They're really smart footy minds and um, I love Al, so, you know, support her. So this AFL Life, I'll put a link in the show notes to that one. And yes, Alison, you are my inspiration. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> the next question, and I've just got a Twitter handle here, so you might be able to help me out with the full name, but it's at Lucreus. Lucreus. So that's Luke. He is a Darabin Falcons and Western Bulldogs supporter. Hey, Luke. Shout out. Well done for getting a question on the pod. Big day for you. Um, <laughs> he's asked a question of you, Jeb. He said, or oh, maybe I can answer it too, I guess, if you want Luke, but I'll just give it to Jim. Um, he said, your picks at this point in the season for League BNF, who's close behind for each of you? Oh, so yeah, this me as well. You go first. Ooh. No, not me. No, I didn't even know I was going to be answering it, so I have to have a think. Who's your, who's your favourite for Lady BNF? Uh, if I had to choose, it's... Uh, I I say this through my opinion. Give us a one, two, three. Well, I say this through my opinion. This is not how I expect the umpires to vote, but this is who I think mm. should be leading it right now. <laughs> I think yeah. Kiara Bowers should be far ahead winning it. Um, yeah. I think that Jasmine Garner should be second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ellie Blackburn, I think, third. I feel bad for missing out players like Elise Parker, who I expect would be voted up there, um, and that I've just put Jasmine Garner up there because I think she gets um, overlooked a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'd that be my one, two, three right now, based on form. What about you? Um, I think my one would be Ellie Blackburn. Mm-hmm. I think I assume she's got full votes in every game she's to. played so far. Yeah. So I reckon she's going to be the favourite there. Um, my two is Kiara Bowers. I reckon she also would have probably got full votes or close to full votes in every game. And then third, I'm tossing up between Benici and Elise Parker. But I'm going to say Benici just based on Collingwood's form because yep. the Giants haven't won too many. And I know Benici's doing pretty well in the coaches' votes as well. So, yeah, Blackburn, Bowers. It's a good it's a good last name. It's a good last name uh, initial, just saying. Yes. <laughs> Another question here. This is from our lovely friend Rana Hussein, who obviously hosts the Play On Review. So, Hey, Rana, what's going on? We love you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us in this pod. Um, she's put, I'm going to try and say this in her expression of the way she asked the question. She said in capital letters, what is going to happen? I think I did that justice, Rana. You can give me some feedback <laughs> if I did. But she's basically just like panicked and wrote, what is going to happen in this round? So I think we've gone through that, Rana, and kind of given you the detail of going through every game by game. But Gemma, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to Rana's question. Um, yeah, I mean... No one knows what's going to happen. We don't know is the answer. We have no idea. We've taken our best guesses. Um, it'll be fun. That's all I know, that it'll be fun. Lovely. There you go, Rana. Fun, if you win. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question, and this is from... You might tell me with the full name again because I've only got a Twitter handle on my screen, but it's Loz Marine. I don't know if it's a full name that I should be looking out for, but... Either way, uh, it's Loz. Yeah, it's Loz from Twitter. She's a Richmond supporter. And she joined the Siren Discord chat on the weekend as well. So we had a bit of a chat through there. I've never spoken to Loz before. Cool. Well, you're speaking to Loz now because she's asked, if you could predict one upset in the coming round, what would it be? Now, I know you haven't tipped an upset, but 
If you could predict one, perhaps maybe where your tips could disappoint you, what would be the game? I actually have two that I could feasibly give you. Nice. Um, in terms of upset, up, you know, Adelaide against Brisbane. I tipped Brisbane, but I could very much see Adelaide winning that game. Um, yeah. The other one is Giants and West Coast. You know, I think West Coast have a chance to win this one. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see the Eagle. And I know Loz is hoping that I say the Richmond game. Um, but I think I think West Coast are in with that little sliver of opportunity here. What about you? Well, I think I think Loz might Loz could be on the money, sort of. Like I reckon Richmond could perhaps get the upset win. I mean, if it was at Swinburne, I probably would have been more confident. But yeah, I think Richmond, based on their form last year, they're getting so much closer. And like we said in earlier in the pod, Carlton haven't been that impressive. Yeah. So I don't know. An upset could happen. Stranger things have happened, but. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the Eagles one. Like, the Giants-Eagles game is literally a toss of the coin and see what happens. Especially and if it's in terrible weather as well. Like, the, e- yeah, the Eagles yeah, exactly. held Freo pretty well in that weather as well. So, you know, never know. You never know. That's it. <laughs> there you go, Rana. That's another answer. Fun and you never know. So, <laughs> I reckon that's how we'll end the podcast, Jen. We did have a lot of fun. We don't know a lot of stuff, but we spoke about it anyway because that's who we are. Um, <laughs> hope you enjoy the footy on the weekend. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can go. Hopefully there's yes. crowds allowed. We're out of lockdown technically uh, in a couple of hours. So that's also good. Yes. Um, yeah. Stay tuned to Jeb's Twitter to see which game she's going to, Jeb. Give us your handle. Yeah. If you want stats or any ask questions during the week, just send them to me at GL Bastiani on Twitter. It's also down in the show notes. If you want to click that, you can also find Julia's Twitter handle there. What's yours, Julia? At Julia Botasano 4. All a bit of fun. I just retweet all the podcasts, to be honest. So if you can't bother going to the Play On Radio account, go to my account, go to Gem's account. We both like give it lots of love. So of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, like I said, we don't know much, but we know the footy's going to be great. We don't know if we can go, but we hope we can. And in summary, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) See you, Jeff. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 